Kingdom of Lynx rules from the region of Super Lynx with its capital in Violet Valley. Many of the ancient noble families of Lynx reside in Violet Valley and live comfortable, safe lives behind gleaming dust brick walls. But no amount of power and privilege can protect you from everything. Hey, and what's up? Welcome to Questopedia, a character and world building podcast. I'm Brian Perry. I'm Houston Bobley. And I am Jake Bush. We used a lot of upspeak in our introductions, I realize. Um, <laughs> how's everyone doing? Good? Yeah? Not good. too bad. I okay. am feeling twice as good as our previous episodes because we're in season two. Two seasons, two furious. <laughs> Sometimes I, I like to think of season two as double season one in a way. Some people just think it's it's the next one. One plus one is two, but one times two is also two. That, that's true. All I know is you're getting twice as much quality. Perfect. Perfect. Um, should we dive right in Let's, and do our world building prompt? I'm yeah, ready. sure. We are double efficient this season. Perfect. <laughs> now all the fat. Um, as I mentioned in our bonus episode, the theme for this season is capitals. So we are focused on the capital of the Kingdom of Lynx for the next few episodes. So I want to kind of get into what is that like and more specifically... The monarchy, right? The monarchy sort of defines a kingdom, but I don't think we've really talked about them very much, right? We've talked about the nobles of Lynx being sort of a big deal. My first character, Noble Harrison, was a noble, um, which is why his name was Nobelius, because they were snobs like that. A little on the nose, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for episode <laughs> one, especially. I am Ranger Man McPherson. Yeah. It's like if we have all these nobles, we assume there's some sort of, I don't know, is there a noble system? I feel like that's like a term I learned from uh, Mistborn. I don't know if that's a real thing of having like a noble system, but like there's a, there is a monarchy. We've established that there is a yeah. monarchy. I had a character who was the bodyguard of the princess, but how, what, what type of monarchy? Is it like the modern day UK monarchy where they're kind of just figureheads or are they like actually running a, running the government and stuff like that? So I wanted to kind of figure it out. I don't have a, I actually don't have strong opinions about this one. I'm just curious. What if like noble Harrison, all it takes to be considered a part of the nobility is to name your child noble <laughs> and nobody really takes them. Nobody really takes them seriously at all. <laughs> okay. Well, what about this? What if that's how you start a noble line? What if Noble Harrison, that was not his, well, no, Nobelius was his full name. But what if like naming your child Nobelius was a mark of like, we're going for it. You know what I mean? Ooh. Like that's just like you, a cultural thing of like, we are establishing a noble house. You are setting up that you are potentially performing a coup d'etat within the next 18 to 20 years. Is what right. You're well, I mean, or you're, you're just entering the society maybe, right? Like we don't know necessarily that the nobles are ruling they're sort of a ruling class maybe but like it's not like saying i'm gonna name my child king and therefore they're going to try and become the king but they are saying like we maybe maybe noble's parents have like had some big success and they're like hey i think we i think we need to try and become a noble house to establish our legacy so we're going to name our child nobilius as a sign of that that's kind of interesting that's an interesting like cultural element yeah my wife and i are expecting in february and one of the names we were throwing a around was Nobelius. VP of Cells. <laughs> Wait, it was what? VP of Cells. <laughs> or, you know, CFO was a good name. Yeah. Charles Frederick Oliver Bodley. CFO <laughs> Bodley for short. FAO Schwartz. <laughs> FAO Schwartz. Um, yeah, it's powerful, you know? Name your, name your child president. Yeah. President. So I think president in the real president world... President Bodley. In the real world, there is that element of like, this is going to give this child confidence and then therefore... That maybe leads to real life success. But I feel like if the culture also sees it as this thing, 
that's kind of interesting of like what what is your life how does your life change when you name your child nobelius that's like oh now everyone's like kind of has their eye on you and that kind of thing so you kind of kind of right. keep it up that's kind of cool i think we're touching on something that might have been a part of history and i'm not entirely sure but we considered that duke is an actual name that is also a title duke is a name so is earl earl yeah that's true so is prince prince was very famous <laughs> they know they're not going to get away with king or queen so much but you know a duke is a modest ambition if you're going to yeah. queen latifah Latifa, yeah. When her parents named her queen. They were like, dang it, we were just a little too behind on the monarchy system. Yeah. Needed a couple hundred yep. years ago. I think it could also be a, an indicator that you're from a long line of dukes, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. How does anyway. it tie into the monarchy? That's my next question. <laughs> yeah. I, think, like, I like, I love the, the idea of like, ruling power. The, the my... noble class is just a bunch of rich families, but they're not ruling is maybe what I'm feeling. Um, yeah. I, my one request for this, because we did set up that there's the two halves of this world. On the left yes. side, it is a monarchy. The right side is a republic. I do think it does need to be a powerful monarchy to whatever degree okay. to solidify those differences. Because if it's only a figurehead, that feels like kind of a weak yeah. premise for why they're having these separations yeah, of government true. between the two. So I do think it does need to be something that is powerful, regal, and that yeah. the people are proud of and just kind of have this undying fealty towards this monarchy. Or maybe they don't. Maybe we're getting yeah. at that turning point where they're like, ah, maybe a republic is, isn't such a bad idea. And that's where some yeah. tensions in this season are coming up. What if the nobles are like kind of trying to become a sort of parliament or Congress? So right now they have maybe a soft influence on the royalty, right? On the family, the monarchs. But they're hoping to solidify that at some point maybe in the future, right? Like they're seeing what the Republic is doing and they're saying, hey, that's a good opportunity for us noble families. You know, that's the Harrisons could be, could be a powerful representative in the legislature. That's kind of interesting. So I think I, think I like the idea for now, at least, they, it is a strong traditional monarchy that there's maybe a king and a queen and there's a, is it a, is it a hereditary thing? Is it like passed down through uh, generations or? I think it, well, it, it should be passed down through generations, but also like if you do some sort of noble act, you can like be kind of like grandfathered into nobility, like how someone gets knighted, except for not, you're not just right. knighted, you're like noblefied. Well, that goes back to the question that might get you into the nobles, but does it get you into the royals? Because I'm seeing the royals as a step above the nobles. Uh, okay, yeah. No, I think royals are a bloodline. A bloodline i think so I, partially because I, I just i can't picture it any other way you know it's like the royal family is such a strong image right yeah i think we can't get too cute with it like too much deviation from a, a yeah. traditional sense of monarchy and we're just creating a new complicated system and i think it yeah. lessens the power of what we can do with this potentially i think the noble system is our opportunity to to hopefully do some interesting stuff i think the royalty we stick traditional i, I think i like that yeah Yep. And the nobles, totally, to mimic what you're just saying, is you can get into it, right? It's rough. One way in, you call your shot, you name, you name your child noble, <laughs> and just hope to make a mark. And then you start putting them through the, the best night schools, the best yeah. uh, academies, in hopes that they can go through some sort of rite of passage, be earn that nobility, that noble knight ranking, and yeah. then it puts them in kind of the peripherals of nobility of, okay, so this person has made their mark. They've gone through all the tests. Their parents have set them up for this from birth. 
Now, we're given this opportunity. If something comes short, they can make their way into it. And maybe it. this is kind of how they keep the dream alive of there could be change in monarchy in the sense of like, oh, yeah, this is the uh, the Lynx dream, the American dream equivalent of yeah. you can be monarchy part of the monarchy too someday but it's actually really really hard and you don't fully understand that until you get into the politics yeah. of it all and so there's a lot of just surrounding the family getting close to power but yeah. not quite there just because it's so hard to break that and i think based on this conversation i'm going to retroactively establish something about noble harrison i think he failed i think his parents called the shot and he failed so he's like well maybe i can still do something down in reach so that's what that was his like backup plan is like what if i go do this other project then maybe someday it's sort of his hail mary of like well maybe i can still make it in but i kind of didn't pull it off for my family it's kind of interesting that's why you know belinda went down with him and they were hoping to be to enter into the nobles and they just kind of didn't pull it off maybe his parents didn't pull it off maybe he didn't uh didn't do what was expected of him as the one named noble but he thought no one has to know that if i go down to Naderlinks, no one has to know that i didn't become a noble so i'll just keep going by noble and i will you know start this town and people will just assume i am and that will i'll just be confident and pull it off i mean this kind of sounds like the wild west of american history which is hey I didn't make it in the aristocratic circle. Yeah. So I'm just going to go start my own town yeah. out in the wilds, which Definitely. was Reach. That was our Western. Oh, I mean, cool. It fits in really nicely. We're recreating American history in a medieval <laughs> fantasy setting. Yeah. The other question I had was, how do people feel about the monarchy? In Violet Valley, at least, right? We're talking about, about Violet Valley, the sort of capital area, um, or or maybe all of Super Lakes. Could we actually, could we actually come back to this as based on our character descriptions. Sure. I feel like yeah. my character has specific feelings about the monarchy. Okay. Cool. Um, and I want to see what your guys's are. And maybe that can kind of capture a vibe or general feelings of the people. Yeah, sounds good to me. Let's get into it. Let's talk about the quest that brings us all together today. As I mentioned in the narration, the nobles live um, in these very safe areas in our sort of like pre episodes before we actually started making the podcast Houston and I talked about like one of the applications of Moondust would be like these extra fancy cities made of of these special moon bricks that are especially strong because they're using moon dust. And that's kind of where the rich people would tend to live right in the nobles. But our quest today is that Corwellius Violet Mayhem a 12-year-old noble has been kidnapped. The Mayhem family has offered a large reward for returning home safely. So that is the premise. That's the situation we're in. Um, how do we do this? Let me just introduce my character. Corwellius Violet Mayhem. So I'm, I'm picturing with the nobles, the standard sort of British, like whenever you get a British actor with a hyphenated last name, you know, they have like super fancy families that married to get even fancier um so i'm gonna use, i'm sticking to that so we have the violet mayhems so it's a combination of the violet family who settled the uh violet valley and the mayhem right. family who i don't know anything about them but they're probably pretty wild they don't sound bad at all is what i'm gathering <laughs> yeah no uh so my character she is not from the mayhem side of the family but she is a violet her name is jennifer banks violet okay um she is a valley dwarf which probably plenty of people have made up but it's not official so i can still claim it as opposed to the hill dwarf. are you using the stats of a hill dwarf just, just uh no i'm it? i'm i'm staking our claim i'm planting a flag that we're going to make a dwarf subclass called the valley dwarf okay <laughs> uh, but i didn't actually come up with any like statistical elements of that just make it the opposite of the hill dwarf so instead yeah. of 
a plus one to wisdom. It's a plus one to dexterity or something like that. Actually, what I pictured was plus two charisma. I thought it'd be fun to have them be like uh, sort of southern. So the picture, the person I picked my, for my lookalike is Elizabeth Shue from Adventures in Babysitting because okay. she's a babysitter. And I kind of thought it'd be funny to have it be like valley dwarfs are like valley girls, like the San Fernando Valley. That's what I right. gathered. That's yeah. That's what I was picturing when you said that. So I thought charisma is a fun one for that, right? So I think yeah. I think a Valley Dwarf would have a boost to charisma. But Jennifer Banks Violet in particular is she is a professional babysitter. She is thirty years old, so <laughs> roughly teenaged um, in dwarf years, <laughs> and she just like she works for a lot of the high profile noble families. She is technically related to Corwellius, but you know distantly. But the reason that she's being brought in here, she is not Corwellius's babysitter. But when she heard about it, she thought it's time. That other babysitter couldn't couldn't hack it. I need to step in. I need to be the epitome exactly. of great babysitting where this because is. she's inspired by her hero, Luna Goodmoon, the star of a series of teen detective novels. And she she looks up to Luna Goodmoon and she's going to she's this is her moment. She's like, I am amazing with the kids I am actually in charge of. But for the kids that I'm not in charge of, they're in danger. And I I am the only person who can really really fix things how much is luna good moon inspired by luna lovegood i just have to throw that out there actually looking at my notes i have the uh the novels have two different names because i noticed that luna goodman was too similar to luna lovegood i actually did change her name to luna stella shooting star moon <laughs> so we can use either one of those <laughs> i like the second one okay her name is luna stella shooting star moon and yeah. she's nothing like luna lovegood she is okay. a detective is this fictional or is this based on a real person these detectives? It, it's all fake it's all fake okay. houston yeah, this, no, she's um this whole this whole this whole premise of this podcast is is fiction, Houston. Like you, you didn't <laughs> think this was all real life, right? I I thought it. I was just so immersed in all of this. I thought it was a real no. When you think of Luna Stella shooting Star Moon, think of her as Nancy Drew, the Nancy mm -hmm. Drew of this world. Okay, right. I feel like this is not the first time you've done a Nancy Drew or Hardy Boys inspired character. I well, believe I our well, it. well we had an character. entire we had two entire perfect brainstorm <laughs> episodes around the Hardy Boys. So we did. I don't know. I've never read them. Never read any of them. I don't think. But uh, <laughs> you just like the for some idea reason, of them. The idea of the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. It's just uh, actually I am kind of obsessed with it because they're all entirely like corporate ghost written books. And that's weird to me. There's a lot like that. Yeah. It seems like a weird thing to be like that. And then I wondered, oh, is R.L. Stein like that too? And it's totally not. R.L. Stein's cool. No, he writes oh, all that stuff. His masterclass is actually pretty awesome. Anyway, uh, but yeah, Elizabeth Shue and Adventures in Babysitting, which I, I kind of remember watching. Um, and I remember thinking like, this is not a kid's movie, but I was a child watching it. So anyway, yeah, that is Jennifer Banks Violet. I'm happy to go next. Okay. My character, her name is Autumn Stormwing. And Ooh. she, I will, I'll start off with this. She is a changeling. Which gives her, gives her a lot of possibilities. I don't, I don't know if we've done a change. No, we haven't. And yeah. it gives her a lot of possibilities because uh, you might be able to piece together where I'm going with this eventually. But she is an inquisitive rogue. The whole idea with that is she can like mentally break down a character's next kind of physical move. Kind of like Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes style. Just kind of. Oh, with the numbers flying around? Uh, just like visualize like when he's in the boxing ring, knowing, okay, this guy's going right. to swing here, so I'm going to hit his ribs, and this is going to be his reaction. So then I'm going to do an uppercut to his jaw sort of thing. That's visually yeah. how I imagine the Inquisitive Rogue functions come across. Uh, so she is that. She's a rogue. She's been living in the capital her whole life, and she is an orphan child. She used to be part of a noble family. 
and used to used be. Used to be. We didn't talk about former nobles. Yeah, well, it, it's a little unclear, but her. I mean, it's very clear that yeah. her parents were killed, but it's a little unclear who. Oh. It could have been bitter rivals okay. who were trying to send in this dog eat dog world of the nobility game. Uh, anyway, she's been living on the streets. But because she is unique as a changeling, I, I do want to say there's probably very few changelings in this world. She has been going around. Yeah, probably. She's been trying to help people help herself as much as possible. And over the years, she's she's really mastered these inquisitive rogue skills. And with her shape-shifting abilities, she's basically become a local folk hero for the people and, and has started nice. taking down the underground of mobsters in this world. Is Stormwing her real name, or is that kind of a vigilante name? So Autumn is the only name she knows. That's the only name okay. she gives to people. Stormwing is her vigilante name. That's, oh, got it. it's a dark night. Better watch out for Stormwing. So it's not like first name, last name. It's like Autumn slash Stormwing. She's kind of like, to her, she's made that her own last name. But she doesn't tell people that that's her vigilante name. Just like Bruce Batman. Just like Bruce Batman. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so Stormwing is uh, kind of taken from Nightwing a little bit, is the influence. Because oh, yeah. she is actually the idea I had of what if you had Mystique from X-Men and doing a Batman role in the city. So she's very good at spying, detective okay. work, getting in on the inside, and then just... Uh, sneak attack, taking out all the the criminals. But she's been hot on the trail of this one mobster, Aarakocra, in particular. He's known to most people by the code name the Penguin because he is a black and white, <laughs> flightless Aarakocra. Oh, interesting. So he's he's a penguin, Aarakocra. He's not a penguin, Aarakocra, but he can't oh, fly. But he's flightless. And he is very self centered. You don't tell him, hey, if if you're all big shiz or whatever why don't you fly up here and talk to me or whatever he gets really mad about yeah. the fact that he can't fly so don't bring it up but he has been a advisor to a lot of nobility on the inside and some think he's pulling the strings in a lot of ways and so he's been hot on the trail to figure out what's going on with or autumn has been hot on the trail to figure out what the penguin has been up to and she she hasn't quite pieced it together and this can be part of the our quest but she's trying to she yeah. believes that the penguin is somehow behind uh these kidnappings and that it's some power play by the penguin to manipulate or blackmail or do some sort of ransoming to the noble families to gain extra leverage in this society so that's why she took on this task she kind of oh. disguised herself as oh yeah i'm just a, a mild maybe i'm a babysitter maybe i'm just a, a local police officer, whatever we would call that, those in this town. Yeah. But she's kind of going under disguise and trying to use this to help the the kidnapped girl, for sure. She cares about her. But also using it as a, let's let's see what this is leading to and what all the strings are connected. Yeah. There is... So this is sort of like this, the season finale thing is figuring out the penguin, but like in the normal course of the TV show that she would be starring in, she does take on these other things. So whether or not this is related to the penguin, she still is out doing stuff to help people. Yeah. But really she's wanting to get, wanting to get the, penguin. I, I think that's a good way to put it. Cause I don't even know if we'll resolve the penguin storyline in this. Maybe. Yeah. Well, Autumn will be, <laughs> it's worth mentioning. I don't know what the answer to this. I don't know who did it. Right. Like I, I'm not coming into this with like, 
Like I'm the DM and here's the bad guy. So we, we may end up with that as the answer. Cool. But we don't know. We never know. The dice will determine it, I guess. Speaking of dice, there's one mechanic I want to add. And this is going to be an ongoing thing for my characters this season. I'm, bringing, I'm stepping up my, my D&D okay. game, as you might say. I think Moondust has been around long enough. It's magical. It's permeating uh, people's cellular makeup quite a bit. To the fact that some oh. of the magical qualities of the Moondust are reacting with the internal magic of a lot of people. Not a lot, maybe like a one in 500 sort of thing. But there okay. are people who are having weird magical side effects because of the moon dust. Okay. And how I'm going to portray this is through the wild magic surge table of wild magic. <laughs> nice. I noticed your character is not a Jeez. sorcerer. So you're saying you're applying this I'm to non-sorcerers to every character I'm making this season regardless of whether they're a cool. sorcerer or not. And so however we resolve the quest element, I'm going to propose an idea, and then I'm going to roll on the table, and whatever the Wild Magic Surge effect is, that has to be incorporated <laughs> into okay. the, uh, the outcome of what we're doing. Cool. I like that. I like the... Um... Like we kind of have talked about like, yeah, the world's kind of entering this industrial age. It's fun to have a more or, or a less grounded uh, consequence of, of this. So that's fun. I like yep, that. that's my character. Okay. Autumn slash Stormwing. Autumn Stormwing. Jake, you're up. All right. So I went pretty like uh, pretty straightforward with my character, but also like there's an element of mystery here and intrigue that kind of like Houston said, may or may not get resolved. So my character is a half elf rogue who grew up as a royal in oh, uh, Violet Valley. Okay. But when he came of age, he abandoned his post and he moved to Dark City. Now, the royal family doesn't really talk about this. They don't really say why or what happened or like what's going on here. So some people say that he was ideologically opposed to the monarchy and he wanted to live in the republic by now he is 55 years old he's a male he has acquired skills as a bounty hunter and a hitman for hire because of he is a half elf class rogue high stat dexterity lowest stat is charisma he's 55 and he's just a very kind of mysterious figure that has like a lot of you know rumors around him and some people say that he's working for the royal family still kind of like undercover uh -huh. other people say no he's against the royal family and he uh, abandoned them um but his name is freedom treason okay it's a cool okay. name and uh freedom treason i understand the ambivalence in people's minds about him <laughs> <laughs> the reason he's involved in this campaign is because when he heard of this member of nobility that had been um kidnapped who was you know a relative of his he made a phone call on his moon phone, and he said, Look, it's me, Freedom Treason. I want you to know that over the last 30 years, I've acquired a very particular set of skills. Whoever has taken this I royal, just got Freedom Treason. I will find yeah. him, and I will kill them. And that's Freedom Treason. Nice. Oh, oh, and I guess I should mention that he is, uh, if he has a celebrity lookalike, it would be Liam. Oh, I was going to okay. guess Gerard Butler. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, yep. Now he is back in Violet Valley because he uh, wants to rescue this royal, but people still aren't quite sure of his motives if he's doing it because he was once a young royal who didn't want to be in the situation that they found themselves, or if all this time he has been working for the, for the royals undercover in Dark City um, as kind of 
a special agent, but he does have a very particular set of skills that will aid nice. in this quest. One thing I forgot to mention, the base form for Autumn, uh, she looks like Karen Galen from, so Nebula, with doesn't look like Nebula from Guardians of the Galaxy, but that actress, uh, the new Jumanji's. Yeah, she's, Ruby Roundhouse. Yeah, she's that actress. We Love were it. so close to having sort of ba- a babysitter's club here. But uh, Freedom Treason, <laughs> I mean, why not? Welcome to the club, Freedom Treason. You might say that <laughs> Liam Neeson in Taken is I mean, is yeah. a very good babysitter. He might hit people with a babysitter's club. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is his signature move. Is he has a signature move called babysitter's club. And uh, anytime that a child of his is taken, he just hits them with a club. It's, called it's weird to have club. a signature move for when one of your children is taken. <laughs> but i mean but that's hey, what that, that that's franchise why, is about and that's why his set of skills is very particular yeah. <laughs> oh what's your what's your like main main thing my kids get taken a lot <laughs> you sound like a bad dad yeah but i'm good at getting them back so that they can be still yeah <laughs> and then i go and beat up on the people it works okay we are officially the babysitters club then we have sort of a so, you know, like lasers and feelings, that game where like you roll a D6 and one end of the spectrum is lasers and one the other end is feelings. This is sort of the same thing, but with Babysitter Club, one end of the spectrum is babysitter and the other end of the spectrum is club. Yes. And how much are you going to tender love kind of and care them? And the yeah. other is going to be how much are you going to beat them to a bloody pulp? Yeah, we're going to make our own variation of lasers and feelings called Babysitter Club. Yes. Love it. Cool. I guess we should roll. Let me explain the roles uh, just because we're, we're in a new season and some people might have thought, ah, I can just skip season one. And also because we've made some slight changes to it. So we've sort of simplified it. It used to be, we used to have like a whole scale of like, you know, a 15 to 19 is a success. And a, it, we're getting rid of that. We're just saying 10 or higher is a pass. Below 10 is a fail. And then we will take the average to see if we overall pass or fail. So if we go ahead and roll. Let's do it. Uh, I'll go first as I'm in charge, I guess. Okay, I rolled a 13. So success uh, from Jennifer Banks Violet and uh, doing great. I think she, I think she's going to use her connections within the family. That's where she's going to start. It's kind of asking around. Um, you know, this is technically her third cousin or whatever, but she's she babysits for a lot of people around. Um, she goes to the babysitter who was watching Corwellius Violet Mayhem, and she is going to really press him and really get some information from him. And so she's got a very good sort of lead to get us moving in the right direction. We haven't really figured out how we are working together. Maybe we are, maybe we aren't. It kind of seems like we all have our own uh, motives. Maybe we're going to just accidentally overlap and run into each other as we're doing this. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way. I think that makes sense. Unintentionally become a babysitter club. Yeah, today you've become more than a study group. You've become a babysitter's club. (laughs) <laughs> alternative ending to community yeah uh, so that's my that's my setup is is basically i am I, i've got lots of like eyewitness accounts and like stories about the family and things like that that i can that i can provide to the overall investigation and what kind of came about it i i missed what your role results were oh i was i rolled a 13 okay so you your role has been the setup giving us the information to yep. work with so now yep. Jake and I are doing that. Yep. Um, I guess maybe as part of whoever goes next, it may be introduced how you run into me. We need to kind of figure out. Okay, I'll go next. I think it's follow the order of our character introductions. I think on one of these last uh, integral characters that you are interrogating or getting questions from, 
I am in the room disguised as one of the bodyguards <laughs> a, or something. Okay. I thought you were going to say disguised as a potted plant for some reason. That was what popped in my head. But a bodyguard makes I'm more disguised sense. disguised as a dryad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm disguised. I'm listening in because I'm also trying to get information. I think one of these went kind of south really quickly. And before you know it, you find out that one of these families was trying to hustle you. They were trying to uh, figure out who is uh, trying to look for this kidnapped nobility uh, child without being willing to pay the ransom or whatever it was. And they were trying to off you. And so there was eight of a, there was nine of us in this room. You, me, and the seven other people who uh, met with you to make sure, okay, this is the one who's hot on our trail, who's getting past all our security measures or whatever. And they go to attack you. And I think at this point, Autumn realizes, okay, this this Jennifer Banks Violet, she can be my ally. So I'm going to throw, change my appearance, be like, hey, let's take him out. And I'm getting ready to sneak attack him when a burst of wild magic erupts. And uh, I rolled a nine on this, which means that I cast Ooh. a fifth level spell of magic missile. Uh, so pretty good. And it turns yeah. out these thugs were pretty weak because I shoot one blast of magic <laughs> missile at each of them and they're all dead. I was uh, curious why you picked that particular number of people in the room. <laughs> okay, cool. They're all pretty weak, but that's how you and I bonded. And so okay. from there, uh, we kind of compared notes and found out, okay, uh, all this information you have, it points to the the birdcage, which is the, the secret club of the penguin where uh, promiscuous and dangerous things happen. And likely the child is being held there. So now we need to get into the birdcage and rescue this child. I, I got a, okay. I got an 11 on my So Oh, I think you got a nine. Oh, nine was your wild magic roll. Yes. Got it. I thought you were saying you failed. Okay, cool. Sorry. I got an it 11. It didn't sound like a failure. I, so I was, <laughs> uh, that makes sense. So an 11. Just competent enough, not anything to really yeah. push the line. Cool. Forward. Okay. So I think the, the natural outcome here then is Freedom Treason is here with all of you. And uh, he's listening to kind of these leads that have been uncovered by Brian's character and also uh, sees, you know, where those leads are taking us uh, with Houston's character. And then he uh, is able to use his very particular set of skills to a to a break in to the birdcage and... He takes the kidnappers by surprise, and what he does is he pulls out his club, which he has <laughs> named the Babysitter's Club, and he just absolutely lays the smackdown on all of these kidnappers, locates the child, and rescues them from this location because he rolled a six. Nice. Hey. Hey, thanks, mister. Thanks for saving me. And it's a little... uh. It's a little valley dwarf. He's uh, 10 years old, just a child. <laughs> He's very excited that you've come for him. And he he recognizes uh, Jennifer and runs to her. And they're reunited his family. I like the idea that like my character and the child's like parent, who is a royal, right? Or a noble. Just kind of looks, or a noble, yeah. Um, just kind of looks at uh, Freedom Treason. And they just kind of like exchange like a nod. <laughs> and then Freedom Treason just like disappears again into the night and goes back to Dark City. So we still don't really know what his story yeah. is. And 
he's bound to crop up again. It's sometime. like one more piece of and, evidence that he's like a good guy, but we yeah, still don't know. Yeah, but we still don't know his entire backstory. And there's one guy in the back going, know. freedom, treason, <laughs> exactly. shaking his fists in the air. <laughs> so we got a yep. 13 yep. overall That was an average. easy success, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's a good range of just, we just very proficiently just get the job done. Nothing too spicy, too fancy about it. We just... We just do what we're supposed to and get in, get out. We save the child. What's the outcome of this? It's a good question. I think individually for Jennifer, I think this gets her a lot of prestige in the babysitting world, right? <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, that wasn't even her kid. Like she's amazing. And she, she starts to like have a little bit more swagger and she starts to dress like Luna Stella. Good. What is it? Luna Stella's shooting star moon. She's just, she really uh, starts to get, she's kind of full of herself, but not, not crazy. She's still a great babysitter, but now she's making the money. Yeah. She's really moved up. Yeah. Okay. And I think Autumn Stormwing just uh, tosses a card to you. And the card is just a picture of a set of like Raven wings with rain and Ooh. thunder or rain and lightning coming down from them. And she just says, if you need help again, let me know. And then you look back down at the card and realize there's no contact information or anything. And then you look back up and she's gone. Oh, okay. This is useless. She throws it away. And it really is useless. There's nothing <laughs> to the card. Uh, and overall, the nobles living in this particular dust brick neighborhood uh, just feel a little bit safer. But maybe is it is it real safety? Or was this just they, you maybe this, there's a bigger storm coming? Is is what they say. <laughs> you know the saying? <laughs> There's a bigger storm honey, coming. Honey, you got a big storm coming. <laughs> so. I didn't even think of that, but yes. That's the final That's the final shot of the secret. We cut it's to a shadowy some, figure. Some noble. <laughs> so, honey, you got another. You got a with bigger curly, storm With curly gray hair and a, just like a coy smile. Looks into the camera and says, honey, you got a big storm. Coming. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I think we are establishing that they there is a shady organization in Lynx that uh, is it based entirely on the people in that one video of people taking yeah, acting classes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and it's also just a part of the culture. So like after that exchange that I mentioned with my character, um, somebody, the little boy says to Freedom Treason, hey, mister, why don't you stay here and be friends with us? And he turns and he looks at everyone and goes, I don't need friends. They disappoint me. <laughs> and then he like stomps on his heel and turns around and strides off. <laughs> For anyone who hasn't seen this video, we'll share it. You need to watch this video. It's wild. Um, yeah, all this went over my head. I didn't know. You got to watch it. But it was funny to listen to. Good. Good. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm still dying about it. Okay. Well, that's that's our episode. We learned a little bit more about the Kingdom of Lynx, especially here in Violet Valley. Especially and the babysitting scene. In particular. You never expected mm -hmm. to learn about the babysitting scene. I think that's, I guess that's the next step that we kind of hinted at, but we didn't establish at the end is we did establish the babysitter's club. Maybe your characters aren't part of it, but uh, Jennifer Banks Violet absolutely is starting a babysitter's club. I, this feels like the really lackluster version of the the Justice League. Yeah, absolutely. That we have... <laughs> I can't believe you'd say that about the babysitter's club. It, it could grow. It could be yeah. uh, something more reputable later. Yeah. I mean, on the heels of this high-profile rescue, I think, I think there's a good his good future for the Babysitters Club. There's yep. a good future for what they are capable of doing. It does just sound like a disappointing teenage version of the Justice League, given that we have a Batman and a yeah. taken character <laughs> in this group. Um, I would like to point out. Yeah. I think this is our first episode where we passed the Bechtel test, even though we're all men. So congratulations! <laughs> all right. <laughs>
Um, and I think all it was, was no thanks. To yeah. Me. Um, Autumn did say, did have a conversation where she said, contact me if you need to, and then disappeared. I think that was, that was us <laughs> passing the Bechdel test. Right. Um, yeah. Cool. High standards here. Well, join us next week. Uh, we'll be talking about more, more Violet Valley adventure. And don't forget, you could listen to five or six podcasts <laughs> or just, just one. one. That was up and by. <laughs> <laughs>